0: This is a Village Soundcast Network original production.
1: Hey, everyone, welcome to Icebreakers, the official podcast series for the 2018 Ice Awards in partnership with the Village Soundcast Network. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan Robolt, the founder and creative director of Wonderlust.
2: And I'm Sarah Densmore, account executive for Cassette. Throughout this series, we will be celebrating creativity in Atlantic Canada with some very special guests. This year's award show will be taking place at Pier 21 on Thursday, June 7th. You can buy your tickets online at iceawards.ca. Welcome to the second episode of Icebreakers 2018. Today we'll be talking to Jonathan Torrens. Most of our listeners will know Jonathan from his acting career where he hosted CBC's Street Sense and Jonovision, and as Sunnyvale's favorite rapper J Rock on the Trailer Park Boys. Recently, Jonathan has gotten behind the mic and teamed up with musician Jeremy Taggard for the weekly podcast Taggard & Torrens. The podcast covers everything weird and wonderful about Canadian nostalgia and is accompanied by the book Canadianity. Well, hi, Jonathan. How are you doing today?
0: I'm great. How are you guys? Awesome. We're good.
1: How's your day going?
0: It's going really well, you know. I have um, taken great strides in my life to have balance balance. And I live in the country, and so any day where I can kind of combine something physical, something mental, something with my family—like those are the days that I get in bed at the end of the day and think I am winning at life right
1: now. And this was one of those days. This is one of those. Yep. Like nice. I
0: picked up my boat. I I had to hook
1: on a trailer for the this well, little wh- side What kind business. of boat?
0: Um, it's a eighteen foot bow rider. Okay. I'm kind of new to boats. Are yeah, you a that, boat guy? No,
1: it doesn't really mean much to me. But doesn't mean much to I'm me. I'm just me trying either. to picture yeah. you in a boat. I was thinking maybe a canoe or something, but and like a big
0: boat. Well, it's funny you should ask, because a few years ago, I decided I wanted to get into rowing. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. found a guy who lives over in Wallace, near Paguash, who makes rowboats. And so I sent him um, a phone message saying, hey, my name is Jonathan. I'd like to order a boat. I'd like to have it in time for spring. I really want to go rowing. I know mm-hmm. which boat, the eight and a half foot Susie, it's called. Even had a name for it, which is M-Y-O-T-T, my yacht. So I could say, <laughs> you want to go for a ride in my yacht? Yeah. Um, so he didn't call me back. And this is actually an interesting lesson about small business. So I called him a couple of days later. Jonathan calling again. Not sure if you got my message. I just want to order a boat. I don't have any questions. I just want to give you money. I just want to make sure I can have it in time mm-hmm. for the spring. Emailed him. Not sure if he got my phone messages. Mm-hmm. He wasn't saying anything. So finally I said to my wife, I just don't understand. Like, why, why do you have a business and not get back to people? That's just poor yeah, business practice. I, that is poor. She said, he's making you a boat for father's day. <laughs> it was supposed to be a surprise. Oops. So... She wow. was calling him every day and saying, "My husband's getting wound like a top. You better do something." He's like, "Don't worry, I'll handle it." But his yeah. way of handling it mm-hmm. was to not acknowledge my existence on the planet. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> not, not just give you some arbitrary, just "Oh, I'm right. get get working on it." Right? Tell me yeah.
0: something. Tell me anything, but don't not tell me nothing, which is yeah. a double negative. Yeah. Have you had so anyway? A- I am a rowboat guy.
1: Okay. Nice. Have you had a, had a- <clears throat> have you had a chance to go out in the boat yet? No, it's only
0: been nice the last few days. That's true. That's true. And um, we have to put the dock in first. Mm. There you go. That's always the
2: kickoff. The kickoff to summer is when the dock goes in. You know.
0: All these things that you thought maybe you'd never do before you have kids. Mm -hmm. I'm older than you guys and in a different stage in my life, but never thought I'd really be a boat guy. But watching my kid jump off the little dive platform into the lake 300 times in a row on a nice summer night. Definitely worth it. It feels pretty great. Awesome. We're RV people now, too. (laughs) Never thought I'd say that out loud. Wow.
2: Plain straight. you are the everywhere man.
1: That's what you guys have to look forward to. Yeah,
2: no, I look. We forward will to see
1: it. you buzzing around in the city in your RV with your boat attached. Could happen. Nice. Looking forward to it. So, uh, so yeah, you're a busy guy. Uh, Taggart and Torrance uh, podcast. You've just been nominated for a Canadian Comedy Award. Uh, how did you and Jeremy meet?
0: Taggart and Torrance came about um, because both Jeremy and I were at a place in our careers where we were looking for a page turn looking to do something different. Mm -hmm. He had been in the band for 21 years. He's kind of an interesting guy. When he was 15, he went to training camp for the Atlanta Braves as a pitcher. Really? And he couldn't get his fastball over 100 miles an hour. So he quit baseball. By 17, he was playing in Our Lady Peace in stadiums Mm -hmm. across the country. Okay. So his entire resume is baseball and drumming. So at 40-ish, he decided he'd kind of had enough of the band and was looking for what else was Out there, Mm -hmm. I was looking for something that was contrary to Mr. D and Trailer Park Boys, um, which is super fun and a great creative outlet, but you shoot it and then it's often months before it comes out. I was looking for something more immediate. So he and I had sort of been peripherally aware of each other um, because Our Lady Peace was a big supporter of Trailer Park Boys when it started. Mm -hmm. Bands like them and The Hip and Rush were instrumental in the success of the show. So we'd always kind of been aware of each other and just decided to try it. Nice. And kind of the nice message that has come from it is, we started it for no reason other than to have fun and try to amuse each other. And yeah. to use an, an overused word these days, it's very authentic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I was actually reading one review from Apple iTunes, and this was a review. Classic Eastern Canadian comedy reminds me of a couple of my uncles in Ontario. This podcast has heart. Was this what you guys were aiming for when you started the podcast? Or did it just naturally evolve into something like this?
0: The thing that's been really mm. an education for me, because I was late to the podcast party. To be honest, mm-hmm. I don't really listen to many. But it's one of the rare places yeah. for long-form conversation these days. You don't often true. get a yeah. chance to have that in this like, where are you guys? What did I miss? LOL world that we live in. Mm-hmm. The kind of neat thing is our audience has educated us on what they want to hear. In the early going, we had segment one's a top five, segment two's a guest, segment yeah. three is a game, but it was when the wheels came off the bus and it became pure. That's mm-hmm. when people were yeah. like, remember that moment? Mm-hmm. That was great. Or when he caught you off guard and you laughed, that was really fun. <laughs> so realizing that it's the kind of environment where we can swing from sentence to sentence from silly silly to serious, yeah. to syrupy, yep. to sweet. And it can be all of those things in the course of an hour. Where do you get that? Yeah, There aren't, like TV isn't as authentic an environment um, to just kind of riff and spritz and the kind of, the thing is, sometimes it doesn't work, but that
1: makes the times that it really does work that much more awesome. So he yeah. is in Ontario, is that correct? Yeah. And you just call him up once a week or once Once a week and, and we talk for an hour
0: and we each record our files on um, iRig on our iPhones and send them to Tim, who's the drummer from Arkells, and wherever they are on tour, he just finds a Starbucks with a Wi-Fi, cobbles them together and uploads it for us. So DIY, I love that. It's so DIY, and the neat thing is we do live shows and they're an extension of the pod where people Mm -hmm. that listen get to come and play the games that we play on the podcast. And everyone that we meet after the live shows It's a two way exchange. It's not just like, hey, nice to meet you. They want to tell us how they found it, who turned them on to it, Mm -hmm. what it means to them, what it helped them get through, who they shared it with, and what that's gone on to mean. Like it's really, it's really meaningful. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And you talked about the games there, and that's the thing that I love. So, I mean, me and my friends were always coming up with these stupid little games. We like to play her- uh, Canadian Heritage moments, and it's love actually it. a drinking game, and you try to recall as many of them as you can. And we've seen, like, you have the game like Heart of Glass. I've seen you do Hit the Post. Where does that inspiration come from to, like, build up these little games you can kind of, like, spit off each other back and forth?
0: Those seem to come up fairly frequently. Um... Sometimes it starts with a name like Reno or Bino, where we read a review of uh, something, and you have to guess if it's Mike Reno from Loverboy or Bino, the anti-gas product. So yep. a quote yeah. like "It was surprisingly loud." You're like, "Huh? <laughs> that could actually that could yep. actually be either." Yep. The thing that's been more of a challenge, surprisingly, <clears throat> is sometimes we'll come up with characters. That we intended only to kind of do once it was like that's fun moving on and people are like where are bonnie and the wolfman we <laughs> want you to bring those back or yeah. we did gordon lightfoot and his manager bernie and people are like please do those guys more yeah so how how long to kind of riff with something and knowing when to kind of put it to bed yeah i would say that's been more of the challenge
2: i love that though. and uh
1: how do you make it through it without just dying of laughter it's it's so ridiculous. Like editing, no. I guess. Good editing. There's um, no editing. No, no editing. No. There's, oh wow. We
0: stop every twenty minutes for the sole purpose that our files would be too big to send to Tim if we went yeah. for a solid hour. Yeah. Um. But there's no editing, and I have probably laughed more doing this podcast than I ever have in my life because I have this high pitched squeal <laughs> that sounds like a hyena and, and a schoolgirl, and Tigert brings it out of me but i think it says a lot about where i'm at in my life because i used to in my younger more cynical days mm-hmm. hear something funny and my reaction would be that's funny almost like i was trying to do the math mm-hmm. as to what made it funny versus actually just enjoying something funny as a human being yeah yeah so i can actually laugh now because i'm not self-conscious about my laugh mm-hmm. and because um i feel happy
1: nice uh so you've also just hosted the uh, ECMAs, is that right? Yeah. Uh, what kind of experience was that? And uh, yeah, maybe we could just talk about uh, music on the East Coast now. Yeah. Uh, what do you? How do you feel the state of music is on the East Coast, like compared to maybe like the '90s when you had Sloan, Thrush, Hermit, all those bands, like.
2: Can, yeah, the, music the, in the pop 90s. explosion. Yeah. Yeah, the sure,
1: music yeah. in the nineties were amazing here. And it's always been pretty consistent. But how do you compare music now to music back then?
0: Uh, great questions. As the host of an award show. Um, I was saying this to someone the other day. I think the best you can hope for is that no one's talking about you the day after. Mm -hmm. Because if they're talking about the host of the show, you must have Mm -hmm. said something that was completely offside or uh, made a joke at someone's expense or things weren't funny or didn't land. I kind of see your role as wallpaper to kind of stall between changeovers, between acts. Just from a production standpoint, there were 16 acts in two and a half hours, which is super ambitious. Yeah. as far as the, the state of music today goes, I, I was obviously a Halifax guy working on Street Sense during mm-hmm. the pop explosion, and it was a really exciting time to be here. Um, I remember when Sloan signed to Sub Pop, and that was, I remember seeing them at a yeah, diner. It was, it was huge. like, wow. Yeah. Um, so we shouldn't um, shrug off what they've managed to do, which is make a career last mm. 30 years in North America. Yep. And if, you they, they played the mm-hmm. CMAs this year. Yeah, and they're awesome. Yeah. The neat thing is it's like we have eight different tentacles of Halifax pop explosions happening at the same time now. There's the Halifax hip-hop explosion, Halifax pop explosion, Halifax singer-songwriter explosion. Not just Halifax, of course, the entire East Coast, but I think the organizers were under so much pressure to factor in all the provinces, all the genres, all the styles, all the ages. They had to pay tribute to where we came from like mm-hmm. the Barry mcneils but also shine a light on 15 year old country singer mm-hmm. Michaela lynn and so i think the show had something for everyone yeah it, it was like a concert that they threw a few awards into
1: you did a fantastic job by thanks the way. man yeah. it was
0: fun yeah it's um it's one of those things that when again when the wheels come off the bus that's when you know um you're doing something kind of scary but if you prep beforehand and have a pretty good plan going in, knowing mm-hmm. it might change slightly, then uh, just give it over to the gods.
1: Awesome.
2: Yeah. People did talk, but it was all it was all wonderful. Everything that I've heard has just been, did you see this? Did you see this? And of course, the big part that stood out was the classified award where you didn't do yeah. J-Rock. So <laughs> I guess, you know, the question there for, for me is just like, where did J-Rock come from? Was that somebody coming to you being like, hey, have I got a part for you? Did you audition? Or is J-Rock intrinsically somewhere in Jonathan Torrance?
0: Um, Mike Clattenberg, who created Trailer Park Boys, went mm-hmm. to Cole Harbour High School. Mm-hmm. Okay, around he the same time he did, yeah, <laughs> he did, and that's where Robin JP, who played Rick and Julian, went too. I went to St. Pat's High School, mm-hmm. and both high schools had a lot of J Rocks that went there. Mm-hmm. Um, we were friends with these guys; they made us laugh. It was always such a uh, interesting and colorful patois there's such yep. i think it's an east coast thing generally there's such a great sense of humor even where i live now the people that live closest to the bone mm-hmm. have the best sense of humor and outlook and perspective For on sure. life um it's funny because i've been exposed to people that you would call kind of a list folks and they seem unhappier than than most mm-hmm. um because i was a little naive and thought once you get up to be at that level, it's like, hey, we made it. Let's yeah. have a barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a whole world of insecurity and jealousy and all that stuff that comes with those people. So the thing that I love about Trailer Park Boys is none of the characters are feeling sorry for themselves. Someone asked me around season five, do you feel sorry for J-Rock? <laughs> and it had honestly never occurred to me that you would. Yeah. Yeah. So Clanberg and I were working on Street Sense at CBC on Bell Road at the time. And we always talked like that in the building. And we mm-hmm. would use the page system around the building like, hey, Mike, you know what I'm saying? Meet me at the smoke room real quick. You know what I'm saying? And the page that went through the entire CBC yeah. building, like people are trying to put a news program together and stuff. Um, so when he started doing Trailer Park Boys, uh, he said, Do, you should play that character on the show. So one night we were out for some adult beverages with um, John Paul who plays Julian. And he said, pass the ketchup J-Rock
1: at Bud the Spud, two in the morning. And that's where the yeah. name came from. Nice. And just that
2: is amazing.
1: Uh, yeah, it's a fantastic role. Uh, you also played a role of this weird 3D animated head in Super Spell. Yeah. <laughs> that was mocap or something. I think I met you. It uh, was mocap. Yeah, and I had
0: a- um, like 40 silver, like, you know when someone's baking a cake and they put those silver balls like on the top <laughs> yeah, of a cake? They do. It's like 40 of those yeah. that I had to have glued to my face because every facial muscle was triggered by motion. Mocap, yeah, mo- yeah, motion capture animation.
1: Interesting, yeah, it's uh, wild. So yeah, you and your sister, you're both quite creative. Your sister being Jackie Torrance, uh, she's a playwright here in town and a well-known actor, actress. Uh, so you obviously grew up in a very creative household. Uh, or did you?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Good
1: question. <laughs> I was just going to assume. It seems now. obvious, yeah. but yeah. maybe not. Like
0: Well, our dad was a Brit. He died when we were fairly young, but he my memories of him were that he was a pretty silly guy, liked to laugh. I get my cackle from him. Yeah. Um and I I wouldn't say that my mom was overly creative. I I I guess I would say the common denominator is that we weren't steered with a heavy hand into um any particular stream so maybe we had the freedom to pursue Mm -hmm. things that brought us joy and that's kind of the greatest gift i guess a parent can give you yeah it is i'm very conscious of that with my kids because between the things that they want to do the things that you'd secretly love for them to do Mm -hmm. the things that they're kind of good at and the things that their friends are doing so they want to do them for those reasons yeah and not wanting to have them in things six days a week so they still have time to just be a kid. Exactly. It's kind of hard yep. to figure out. Yeah. And you
1: have two daughters. Is that correct?
0: I do. Yeah. Like, what ages? They're eight and six. Okay. And they're playing Ho Hey" by the Lumineers in their uh, elementary school talent oh, show. Oh, uh, awesome. So and they're, they're I'm, I'm, creative as well. <clears> I'm trying that's not great.
2: to. <clears throat> no, I'm getting a little verklempt there. Well, kind <clears> of. <throat> yeah. Yeah.
0: So my strategy was neither of them was very interested in musical instruments. Mm-hmm. Mm. So my strategy was I'm just going to leave them lying around so that they'll like have to move a guitar yep. to sit on the couch. Yeah. And so just kind of organically, they've started picking it up and one daughter's taking piano lessons now and the other one's playing guitar and mm-hmm. it's pretty fun. Awesome. Then do you
2: want them to go into the family business and take take up acting? <sighs> well, my wife's playrania. an accountant. Oh, okay. Well, or um, that. Hey.
0: Which is, you know, a more sensible yeah. trade. A good mix yeah. of the
2: two might be even better. No an kidding. Academic, yeah.
0: Um, I, I just want them to be happy, like mm-hmm. like all parents do. Yeah. A friend of mine had a pretty great idea. He had two teenage sons, and they wanted to go to university, and he was like, perfect. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to get a trade. Yep. Yeah. Then you'll work your trade during the day, and you'll take your university classes at night. Mm-hmm. You'll pay your way through university with your trade. It's true. And on the day you graduate, I'll give you a check for what you spent on your degree. Yep. so they have a trade to fall back on they have yeah. a little nest egg to get started that's with that's amazing yep. and they're too and tired to get into trouble while they're at university that was his main point and
1: it's worked out quite
0: well it worked for out them. great nice So, like uh,
2: what were those steps again hold on yeah, right.
0: <laughs> I know right well, I kind of like that because uh, it's outside the box thinking I wouldn't want to be 19 right now trying to figure out what do
1: I want to be yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it took me too quite hard. some time maybe mm-hmm. 33. Right, no,
2: 30, you start taking your life seriously. Like, oh yeah, I gotta get the, get on with this. Get on with the show here. That's right. Yeah. I guess
1: that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Uh, so yeah, being a Canadian actor or any creative really in a in Canada, it's it's quite difficult to make it, uh whatever you think making it is. Uh do you have any advice to give young creatives? Uh in well, Canada? That's
0: critical. The definition of it yeah. is actually. A huge part of my life story. That was kind of the hinge on which I made, started making my own decisions. I turned 30 and I had been at CBC for 15 years, did Street yeah. Sense and then went right to Jonovision. Mm-hmm. And my argument was I'm not saying Jonovision was a ratings juggernaut or the biggest deal, but it gave CBC access to this audience that, like me, mm-hmm. was also growing. So I wanted to do a late night version of Jonovision. Yeah. There was a feeling internally at the time that I hadn't proven I could carry a show by myself. So, out of self-imposed exile, I went to the States to make it. Went to L.A. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And though I had a lot of preconceived notions about it, I was wrong on most of them. People were really nice, really friendly. It's easy to get meetings. But I kind of had this misguided notion that oh you're a Canadian like Mike Myers and Jim Carrey good we're so glad you're here come right in yeah doesn't really work like that and it's a little embarrassing in retrospect to think that maybe it would um but what happened there is you're so reliant on agents managers publicists commercial agents mm-hmm. you have a different agent for film and a different one for TV and they're waiting to hear if that casting director got back from that producer if that director's had a chance to look at here whatever you're so arm's length mm-hmm. and they want to know if you're are you a host or you're an actor? Because you can't be both there. Yeah, they want
2: to. Whereas in Canada, type you kind of
0: can. Yeah, yeah. yeah for I sure. can kind of be. Jack of all traits, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can kind of be a, an improv guy, sort of. I can kind of be a host. I write a little bit, I direct some. And for me, that's what keeps it interesting. And if I look at the tra- trajectory of my career, I always left things before they were kind of driven into the ground.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, left Street Sense when the show was still very popular left John O'Vision, though CBC wanted to do another season because I felt it was time to, to do something else. Um, Mr. D came along towards the end of Trailer Park, boys, like it's the change-up. Yeah. And that's what Taggart and Torrance has been towards the end of uh, Mr. D. So defining my it, my it is balance. Yeah. And as we started the conversation, I can achieve that in rural yeah. Nova Scotia. I can have days where I write a bit of letter, Kenny, in the morning, mow the grass in the afternoon, play. Uh, music with my daughters in the evening, and you know, watch something on Netflix with my wife at night. So my brain's tired, my body's tired, my hands are dirty. Yeah. That's when I feel like I'm doing it. Well, sounds wow. like you've
1: struck the perfect balance, I guess.
0: I don't know. It it it's working for now. Yeah. Um. But as a freelancer, say, as you guys know how many years yeah. in
2: now. I think I think you got it. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, but as a freelancer, you live in fear that you're next gig will never come, or the phone will never ring again. And I realized in my mid-30s, I had two gears, work and worry. And there was no time where I was actually just being. And you need that to recharge your creative well, and be inspired, and have real interactions with real human beings that I can draw on to use in characters. That's that's the thing that I didn't like about LA, and that's why I don't live in a big city where it's easy to get caught up in that.
1: Yeah. Uh, What's next?
0: Well, uh, in the short term, we're doing the eighth season of Mr. D.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I'm also uh, working on Letterkenny, which is super fun. Um, Writing episodes for Letterkenny, which I can do from home. And I think that show is awesome. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And we have big plans for Taggart and Torrens um, to bring it to screen. Awesome. Awesome.
2: Uh, And what about, yeah, the book too. I mean, are we going to see a second installment of
0: I don't know. It was somebody said, I don't like writing, I like having written. And I can so relate to that because anyone I
2: talk to who has a book, it's like it's like a labor. I'll never do it again. Yeah. Eighty thousand words.
1: Well,
0: it took us a long time. And it came out in October in the year Canada one fifty. So people were like, enough with the Canada already. Like the timing could not have been worse. So I live in low key fear that they'll ask us to do another one, but I would secretly be hurt if they didn't.
1: Yeah. We found
0: out we sold fourteen thousand copies, which is for us Mm -hmm. a huge win. Awesome. And the interesting thing is writing a book is not lucrative, but Um, suddenly media outlets that wouldn't really look at us before Mm -hmm. as two guys with a podcast would have two guys with a book about their podcast on... So it helped kind of build our brand, although it's weird to think about it like that. I it's think it's really,
2: fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, overarching there between the book and the podcast is this like Canadian nostalgia. Like it's, I, I mean, and I can only really attribute it to in the 80s, really, CBC was the one station that everybody kind of had mm-hmm. access to no matter what. So we were all kind of exposed to this kind of united front of per- TV personalities, new news anchors. So we're kind of united on that. Do you have any thoughts on like, you know, why we're kind of looking back to that late 70s, 80s era was such... I
0: do. And I'm yes. so glad you asked. Yeah. I think it's because even though TV was something we did by ourselves, it's mm-hmm. something we did in great numbers by ourselves mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. So Friday morning, if you didn't watch Must TV Thursday night, you were kind of left out of the conversation. Yeah. TV is in a way has never been better there are more oh options god, and yeah. more high quality options and mm-hmm. some of it like I don't know if you guys find but you, you just have to cut your losses and say no I did I didn't watch that yeah. awesome yeah. thing because I, I just
1: can't just too much yeah. yeah
0: so I think I think we have this nostalgic affection for a simpler time when we all were doing the same thing at the same time I agree like and that's why our live shows are really fun because someone in the back row will be like remember Fraggle Rock
1: and then suddenly <laughs> yeah, it's like just, oh
0: my god Fraggle Rock I haven't thought about that in <laughs> 20 years
1: Yeah. awesome uh, well Jonathan, you're a national treasure, a yep. local treasure. I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> definitely, man. Uh, we love talking to you and uh, I love running running into you from time to time. Yeah. But uh thanks very much for coming on, man. Thanks for um, having me. It
0: was really fun. Awesome. Good listening.
1: All right, man. Let's well, take care. See you again. Yeah.
2: Thanks for listening to episode two of Icebreakers Podcast, celebrating creativity in Atlantic Canada. Mm-hmm. Today's guest was actor and co-host of Taggart and Torrens Jonathan Torrens. Once again, I'm Sarah Densmore.
1: And I'm Ryan Rumble, coming to you from Village Sound Studios. Stay tuned for episode three, where we'll be having a time with Newfoundland's own wheelie-poppin' and dart rolling Donnie Dumphy. Talk to you soon. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production.